0: Far back to go. Because even the whole patient day safety thing was a serendipity. Mm-hmm. It it helps to actually go back to the very beginning because I got to Mass General by accident in 1972. I was recruited to work in the then uh bioengineering unit of the Department of Anesthesia at the Massachusetts General Hospital. I was an engineer. The person who brought me here, brought me here actually to work privately in his company on the side, which I hadn't appreciated because I had been doing this work in, uh, in biogalvanic uh, pacemakers. Uh, so I was in this group not knowing exactly what I was supposed to do, and I uh, was really fortunate to be with this incredible team of people, and, uh, including uh, uh, Ron Neubauer, a Harvard-MIT trained physicist, engineer, uh, and Rennie Meyer, an anesthesiologist who was a fellow, an anesthesia fellow, uh, and Ed Troutman, who was a student at MIT. And that was a team and a few other people And Rennie would take me down to the operating room, and so I'd get to see anesthesia through his eyes. And was so wonderful about him, and he didn't tell things just the way he thought they ought to be. He had a much broader view, and he got me to understand to see these issues with anesthesia machines in particular and the technology and how people made mistakes. And our group started to think about that. Could we build an anesthesia machine that uh, was more mistake-proof? And one thing led to another, and that's a whole other story about how we developed what was probably one of the first microprocessor-based medical instruments. It was a prototype of a, a computer-driven anesthesia machine. This was back in the 70s when the first 4-bit microprocessor came out. Uh, so this is the kind of thing I was thinking about. And what happened was I, I was invited to a Halloween party. And uh, my first wife was a medical technician, and they had a Halloween party from her group. And I sat next to a guy who's named Ron Pickett, and he was organizing a conference, a NATO-sponsored conference, the North Atlantic Treaty Organization conference on human factors in healthcare. in 1974 was when the conference was. And we were sitting around carving pumpkins. And I remember I was dressed as a birthday present. It was just one of these magn- with a box wrapped up. Uh, and I must have taken it off to carve the pumpkin. And, and he asked me what I did, and I told him a story what I was working on, and he said, geez, that's a great story. Would you like to come and present at this conference about this work about errors with anesthesia machines? And I thought, wow, that'd be really cool. I'd never, I'm not sure i have been out of the country even. Uh, and there's a really important piece about leadership. So I went to the chairman of the department, Richard J. Kitts, who since has become a close friend and colleague, and then he was my boss. Uh... And I told him about this, and I don't know how he did it, how he found the money, but somehow he found the money for me to go to the Lisbon to be part of this conference. And there I presented a talk on the anesthesia machine, an accident waiting to happen. And like many things, the title was Ron's idea. He's just a brilliant guy, full of ideas. Uh, and I gave this talk, and there was a guy in the audience named Mel Rudolph. He worked for the American Institutes for Research, AIR. It's a human factors company. And they were built on the critical incident technique developed by John Flanagan back in the 30s and 40s to study what, how people did their jobs, not just how they made mistakes, but what went right. It was how you uh, define what somebody does for their job. But they also used it to learn how to how pilots made errors in cockpits, and this was responsible for redesigning cockpits to prevent pilot errors. So I learned about the critical incident technique. This He came up to me, this Mel came up to me after the talk and said, boy, you have a great laboratory to study this. Did you ever hear of the critical incident technique? I said, no. And one thing led to another, and we got some grants from the the state-sponsored insurance company and a couple other places. We hired an interviewer, and we started to study errors in anesthesia. And that's how I got into the patient safety business. We thought it was about errors with technology and equipment. But when people, what we did was we interviewed people using this technique and just asked them, could you tell us about a mistake you either made or observed during anesthesia? And people told us their stories, and they weren't mostly about equipment. They were about everything because we didn't confine it. It was a good, if you will, uh, qualitative research. We didn't confine them to just about equipment. And we took those stories, and we very clearly, objectively, Uh, studied and classified them and published our first paper on that in 78. And that really got me into the patient safety business, if you will. Uh, The broader issues, not just around technology. So that's that's how I came to it. I was working in this anesthesia engineering research group that was there to develop technology for anesthesiologists doing basic research in anesthesia. But here we were in a milieu of the Mass General, which is very entrepreneurial, uh, let's people really try things out, take some risks. And I had a boss, a leader, who helped people take risks, who bet on people, even though he didn't know exactly what it was about. Uh, and he created that opportunity for me. And then the really important thing was I worked with this eclectic team of uh, physician, uh, engineer. I was, a, by the way, a chemical engineer. My PhD is in chemical engineering from the University of Missouri. Uh, and I had a master's in biomedical engineering, so I had animal surgery and physiology and anatomy, and I knew enough about medicine to be dangerous. Uh, and then a young guy, Ed Troutman, who is at MIT, an, an electrical engineer, computer engineer, who brings the first microprocessor in, and he created the database, by the way, for the critical incident study. But it was a team of collaborative, generative people who help each other out, and the lesson there is surround yourself with people who are smarter than you are and who are generative and that's the secret for success.